Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello and welcome to Danny in the Valley, your weekly dispatch from inside the Silicon Valley future machine. A quick production note before we get started. Last week, several folks led by loyal listener The Mutts Nuts, which I don't believe is his given name. I think it's just his Twitter handle, but um, I digress. He and several others messaged to say that the podcast had an intruder. About nine minutes in, Ollie G jumped from his normal spot in the intro and made a sudden appearance. So we quickly got that sorted out, but for those of you who heard it and were bothered by it, my sincere apologies. Hopefully this week, Mr. G will stay in his box. Anyhow, I just want to say thank you for keeping us, for well, for listening and for keeping us on our toes. I certainly do appreciate it. And hopefully this week will be, will go off without a hitch. So with that, let's get to today's show. Yo, technology, what is it all about? Once you've solved the financial part of life and achieved financial independence, the only thing to do is die. You need to find a way to occupy your brain and occupy occupy your time so that you're not just constantly reflecting or on your inevitable death. We have a great show for you this week. Andrew Mason, the founder of Groupon, is on the pod. Why I say he was on the pod, I in fact journeyed over to his office where he has quite a fabulous little recording studio at his new company called Descript which has created a kind of word processor for audio content. It's very clever and very cool. But Mason was perhaps more famously known for starting Groupon 10 years ago, if you can believe that. As you may recall, it took off like a rocket ship, went public very quickly. It was one of the original, if not the original, unicorn. Not long after it floated, however, Mason was unceremoniously fired after a string of bad financial results and some admittedly oddball hijinks. His farewell letter quickly became something of a classic of the corporate world. In it, he solicited a, quote, good fat camp to lose my Groupon 40. And he was also very frank about why he was leaving. He said, I've decided that I'd like to spend more time with my family. Just kidding. I was fired. That, of course, was five long years ago. And when he was fired, he had something like 200 million, 250 million worth of Groupon stocks. Obviously, he never had to work again, but as often happens, he has since been working quite hard. He's launched two companies, the latest being Descript, this 
clever media editing tool, which we'll talk about. We also talk about why at 36 he is still working. Some of the lessons he learned from Groupon, his plans for Descript, and of course, his worst day of work, which I promise you, you will find highly entertaining. So, without further ado, I give you Andrew Mason. I was going to say welcome, but I'm actually in your recording studio. Yeah, welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. But you're from Chicago originally. I'm originally from Pittsburgh. And then I moved to Chicago to go to college at Northwestern. I started out in material science engineering, and then I transferred into music. I thought I was going to be a musician. I worked at a recording studio. What kind of musician? Like a rock musician. So the studio I worked at was called Electrical Audio, and it's run by a guy named Steve Albini that's done a lot of like punk rock, and that was kind of what I was into. Oh, wow. Do you play an instrument? I play piano. Oh, I saw a piano in the office here. Yeah, but that's that. That's not because that's I play piano. I, I don't want anybody <laughs> to believe that I'm the CEO, like Chevy Chase on uh, on his uh, late night show or whatever. That's just occasionally forcing his right. employees to indulge in his everybody gather around. Yeah, I'm working on a new number. <laughs> I think this one really captures this moment in time in the history of Descript. Anyway, so. So I thought I was going to be a musician, and then through working at the studio, I would see a lot of people come in who were equally enthusiastic about their prospects as a musician, but terrible. Mm. And as soon as I realized that those two things could coexist within one human mind, I realized that they might be coexisting within my mind. You might be one of those guys. Yeah. And at the same time, I'd gotten increasingly interested in the internet as a more potent medium to be creatively expressive and frankly like an easier one where it's just this relatively blank canvas compared to music where you're competing against thousands of years of really smart people with great ideas right on the internet it was still possible to have the equivalent of a row 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 your boat or mary had a little lamb and be the baddest dude around. Would be the baddest dude around, exactly. Right. Which is basically what ended up happening with Groupon. <laughs> wow. Get things that for was... less money yeah. than they normally cost. Genius. Yeah. yeah, right. I was always kind of into tech, but I got more into tech. I started building my own companies or starting building my own websites in addition to doing consulting on the side. Stopped working at the recording studio. Went back to grad school in public policy at the University of Chicago and was there for a few months before I got an offer from a former employer to invest in uh, an idea that I had, which was called The Point, and it was a collective action platform. The idea was that anybody could start a campaign and say, I will do something, but only if a thousand other people do it with me. So it could be trying to coerce a company into doing something that was in everybody's best interest, but nobody felt like being the individual actor. It could be raising money towards something, towards a cause, or it could be getting a group of people together and saying, hey, we will all buy pizzas from your pizza restaurant, but only if you give us a collective deal. Right. So what started out as this very like noble, buying, buying highfalutin... In, buying in bulk, basically. Buying in bulk, yeah. And, you know, that wasn't the original <clears throat> intent of the platform we built, but that was the that was the idea that took off. So we woke up one day and we were this group buying site, pivoted into Groupon. And that was 2008-ish? Yeah, that was the end of 2008. Back when the world was falling apart. When the world was falling apart. So it ended up being good timing for yeah. saving money. And we spent the next... 
I guess, four years, just growing like crazy, getting up to 12,000 employees in 48 countries and billions in gross billings. Yeah. Wow. And then we took the company public. When that was happening, were you like, kind of like, how did I end up here? You know, in four years, you go from kind of toiling in anonymity to creating, you know, this massive company that's around the world and that everybody knows and that everybody has its eyes on. Yeah. Nothing about my life is an accident, Danny. <laughs> I, I knew exactly where everything yeah, was going. Yeah, you just had that all mapped out. Yeah, and it makes perfect sense. Like, I knew mm. I knew that I deserved it all. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it was, I mean, the whole thing from soup to nuts was pretty surreal and absurd. But I feel very lucky to have had the experience, both the highs and the lows. Um, it was insightful and yeah then you you were fired yes famously in kind of copping to it instead of being like oh, i've gone uh we've got to the the company to x amount and now i'm off to go you know find new challenges you got you didn't take that route right or the i'm going to sp- i need to spend more spend time, time with, my, with family. my family is another that's one. the classic one yeah yeah um you just said i was fired yeah because it was so obvious to anybody that was paying attention. Well, it's everybody. I mean, it's so transparent. It's and so ha- transparent. And it happens all the time. Right. So I just figured it would be better to do away with that and right. stick with honesty. The other thing that's weird about it is lying about it, to me, is like a sign of shame. And I didn't yeah. really feel shame. Like I've, I felt like, wow, this is an, this incredible ride that I've been part of. And maybe I'm not Jeff Bezos or... Steve Jobs or Jesus Christ, and that's going to take this thing to $100 billion or whatever. But I'm like good enough that I don't have to feel bad about myself. Like building a company that's worth billions of dollars is pretty cool. Like that's more than my roommate in college did. And that's all that I measure myself (laughs) off of. But it's funny though, because there's this great, um, especially again, having lived, I was away for a total of about 15 years and I've come back. It was there before, but now it seems more extreme, this whole kind of hero worship. But that happens a lot. It does, yeah. In this industry. And that was part of the surrealness of the write-up when that was in some ways being applied upon me and just over-sensationalized on the way up and over-sensationalized on the way down. Yeah. It's not like you're this, maybe the genius they were saying, but you also weren't like the total kind of disaster that they were saying on the way down. Something in the middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were still in Chicago at that point. Still in Chicago, yeah. And then you moved here to do Detour. Yeah, that was in 2013. What was Detour? Detour is an idea that I had actually before I had the idea for Groupon. I mean, saying it's an idea that I had is is almost too much credit. It's just an idea that a lot of people had, which is wouldn't it be cool if there was a way to use your mobile phone to create an augmented reality audio experience that gives you context on what you're looking at as you're walking around. I would go travel with my wife or with friends, and if I want to explore or learning about a place, your options are to get a guidebook, which is a lot of work and not really an immersive experience. You can go on a walking tour with a bunch of random tourists, and that's an hour too long and bloated with facts and figures that you're not going to remember anyway really hit or miss you know what you could do is what i see in fisherman's wharf all the time are these tour groups that are on the segway scooters yeah 
Though that's what seems like a really fun experience. I've done that. I did that. In, Have you? Yeah, I did that in Chicago. I got <laughs> I, I got a group on for it. So I've done most of those things at some point. The idea of Detour was let's create these amazing location-aware augmented reality walks through the most interesting places and cities that really reveal what makes a place a place and have them guided by the people that know that place the best, the people who are part of the history somehow. So we have a walk through the Castro in San Francisco, which if you're going to visit the Castro, if you're going to visit San Francisco, the Castro is emblematic of a certain part of the history here. If you go on your own, you're going to see a lot of tourist shops and random things. And it's really easy to have this experience when you travel of just never really penetrating the surface. Like you think you've gone on a trip, but you haven't really gotten the essence of the place. And so we found an activist named Cleve Jones, who was one of uh, Harvey Milk's right-hand men and has lived in the Castro for most of his adult life, to walk us through his version of the history of the place on a mile and a half walk through the place, and he takes you in some of the shops and so on. That's just an example of the kind of experience that you can have that you wouldn't normally have access to. So that's what Detour was, in short. We launched those tours. We launched 100, 150 tours. 150? Yeah, in a dozen different cities. That sounds like a lot of work. It was a lot of work. And, a lot um, of work, I imagine, in this room. In this recording studio that we're yeah. in now that we have in our office. And there was a lot of what was essentially podcast recording, like a lot of voice yeah. recording. And because I had a background in music, I thought that that stuff was going to be relatively simple. But what we quickly learned is that it's not. And we would spend two to three times as long editing a recording session as it took to record it. And we aspired for Detour to become a platform eventually where anybody could launch their own tours on the platform. It's like a platform for user-generated content. Right. We just knew with the production tools that were available, it was a non-starter. Like yeah. to have people to have people working in these waveform timeline editors, it's a really engineering brain kind of task. And taking people who are traditionally tour guides, it's kind of a non-starter. But we knew that there was really incredible advancement happening in text-to-speech recognition and machine learning being applied to speech in general. So we thought, well, what if you could build a audio editing platform that looked like a word processor, where instead of editing these abstract waveforms, you're actually, the audio is actually represented as text. And if you delete a word or you copy and paste a word, you're actually moving the audio in addition to moving the text. And then you could bring audio production to the same level of accessibility of the one productivity tool that everybody knows how to use, which is a word processor. Right. That is what Descript was. We started it as the production tool for detours, but as we brought people into the office and would show them what we're doing, we would hear from podcasters or even video producers who would say, I've been dreaming of this tool for 20 years. Make sure you release it for us too. And it just started to feel like it might be one of those things where this is the real thing. So what happened with Detour? Detour is still in existence. We've split them off into separate companies. It's still going. It it hasn't yet had this kind of mainstream blow-up success. It hasn't 
We knew it was going to be tricky because it's people's association with walking t- with audio tours is some mediocre experience they've had in a museum for the most part. Yeah. It's not the kind of thing that you want to rush out and commit two hours of a weekend with your friends to doing. Oh, yeah, no. let's go take an audio tour yeah, through a city. Yeah, that sounds fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so, like, the good and bad of it is we would always hear when people ended up taking one, that was not what I expected. I was completely blown away. The problem is most people, it's difficult to get over that hump. So we've got some ideas about how... How do, you get, how do you make money from it? We sell the tours. Oh, okay. So if I go to the Castro, I'd pay, I don't know, five bucks? Five bucks, yeah. Right. So Groupon was this like huge, multi-billion dollar international business. And this detour seems like a bit of a detour. It doesn't feel like it has that same kind of mass market, this is going to be in a giant company thing. Was that a conscious choice? Not really. I mean, the Paul Graham has a I don't know if it's Paul Graham's line, but I read it from Paul Graham that like the startups that end up succeeding are always like non-obvious, right? Right. Unless you're on the cutting edge of some technological breakthrough, the idea when you start it is it's not obvious that it's going to be big. So as an entrepreneur, what do you do? Well, you kind of just say, what I do at least is I just say, oh, I think that would be cool. I would want to use that. I would want to use that a lot. And that's what I did with Groupon which now, in retrospect, it seems incredibly obvious, but I can tell you at the time when I had the idea, <laughs> there were a lot of people inside the company that thought it was stupid. Like, why? Worth coupon, trying. Coupon but, company? That sounds... Well, it's not not just that, but, like, how are you going to get these companies to... How are you going to find the companies? Right. Even when we put together our original financial projections, we were looking at things like restaurant.com as comps and projecting that we'd be in 30 cities and doing $20 million of revenue in four years. Um, Oh, wow. You know, like so modest compared to what actually ended up happening. As obvious as it seems in retrospect, it wasn't at the time. And I think detours, look, I mean, if you could build a company that became the de facto essential way that people experienced new places when they traveled at home and abroad. Yeah, we'll have to check that out. Go to like, because there's, how many are in San Francisco? I think there's almost 15 in San Francisco. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's worth checking out. It's great. Yeah, I'm sure. Out of Detour, you spin out this this idea for Descript. Yes. For me, this is very interesting because... Every once in a while, we'll do like a um, produced podcast where I'll go out and talk to a dozen people, record 10 hours of audio, and then have to splice that together with the script and all that stuff. And it is, it's really hard. And we use this thing, which is kind of competitor, I think, to you called Trint. Mm. And that is a game changer. Right. In that it's the same thing. It uses machine learning to basically transcribe audio into a Word document. But it doesn't sound like it's as full of a suite of uh, services. Yeah. Well, Trent, Trent is one of half dozen or so automated transcription services that have popped up in the last year as these APIs from IBM and Google and now Amazon and, you know, even Mozilla has one are becoming mature and really, really good where we now have automated transcription giving word error rates as low as 5%. It's actually incredible. Yeah. Because as a journalist, for most of my career, I've had to, if I do record a conversation, I have to actually just sit there and transcribe it by hand. 
Right. And if it's an hour-long conversation, it will take two to three hours just to get the words out onto the page. To Then then you have to figure out what are the quotes you want to pull and all that stuff. It's a nightmare. Right. Audio of this quality of the conversation that we're recording right now would probably get one out of 30 words wrong, something wow. like that. In fact, the bigger issue you'll have is punctuation. Mm. <laughs> than yeah. like putting the periods in the right place than actually the quality of the of the transcription. There have been a bunch of people that have been essentially like rappers for those APIs, like Trent. And what Descript is doing is taking that to the next, like we see the transcription as the foundation of what we're doing. It's a necessary input, but then you can actually edit the audio. So with Descript, you can take those 10 different interviews that you did, have them all as different documents in a single project, have a different document that's your master script, and then you're copying and pasting the quotes that or the, the, from the tape that you want mm. and just pasting it right into that master, and it's pulling the audio along with it. Our aspiration is to be more like a soup-to-nuts production tool that's replacing Pro Tools or GarageBand or whatever it is that uh, right. someone is using, making it easier and faster for people that are already doing this, but also making it more accessible for people that are scared off. I mean, as podcasting has been blowing up over the last four years or so, you have a lot of people moving into podcasts from other journalism, a lot of print reporters getting into podcasts. Like yeah. <laughs> and um, and used to thinking by looking at transcripts and working with transcripts. And as soon as you have to turn off your editorial brain and turn on your engineering brain to get into a it's not an easy digital transition. audio workstation. Yeah. You can't really maintain both at the same time. And there's this beautiful thing that hopefully you'll experience soon about editing in Descript, editing audio in Descript, where you're listening and you're looking at the text. While you're editing, you can keep your editorial brain engaged, where you can see the form of the sentences and make micro edits in a right. way that adds clarity and flow. It's good to the point that it's clearly better and faster than editing with waveforms, and it's fun. Yeah. And is there, um, can you see the direction of travel in terms of the accuracy in a situation like this when a recording studio, two mics, high quality audio, getting to the point where, where it's effectively? I'm not a, enough, enough of an expert to be able to say when perfection arrives. Yeah. There's also different definitions of perfection. And I think probably a lot of the people at Google, they don't have the same goals in mind for transcription as we do. They're looking for transcripts that are readable, that are going to filter out ums and uhs and false starts and so on. Well, we actually want that stuff in because we're using transcription for media editing. Um, so in some sense, the, the bar is lower right. for us because all we need is a correct representation of every utterance that comes out of one's mouth. While to get a truly readable transcript, you have to do some natural language processing and figure out how to filter out a, a false starter. Right. You raised uh, some money for this. Yes. Company. We raised $5 million from Andreessen Horowitz, uh, a right. couple just just in the last quarter of last year. Was that easy? So my sense of the way that they work at Andreessen Horowitz, we've worked together in the past. So the, they, were, they were investors at Groupon. And the partner that we were working with, Alex Rampell, is somebody that I got to know while he was running Trial Pay and I was running Groupon. And But I think the way they work is independently, they tend to come up with their own 
investment thesis and their yeah. own rubric for deciding what gets their money and what doesn't. If you fit into that, it's an easy decision for them. And Andreessen Horowitz has their own really great podcast, and, and they've been able to firsthand witness the growth in this medium and how influential it's been for them. And I think that was a influencer in making them very receptive to Descript. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. This is your third company. I guess ish or more yeah it depends how you count pivots or whatever right yeah. are there any things that you're like when you look back or were you like i'm definitely not making that mistake again sure <laughs> i mean <laughs> of course where do you start i mean there's all there's also things that i would never want to do again there was a there was a period of time that i backed into working in local commerce and businesses and sales through Groupon, it was just a necessity of the model right. and learned a lot about it and got to the point that we were pretty good at it. But then there was a period of time where I was doing some part-time work at Y Combinator when I first moved out here. And everyone that wanted to talk to me, all of the companies that wanted to talk to me, wanted to talk to me about sales, <laughs> building sales organizations, and about building, uh, especially about anything like local or right. working with local merchants. Occasionally, people with some kind of an offshoot idea of Groupon you know, I would I would do the meetings as part of my responsibility as to Y Combinator, and occasionally they would ask if I wanted to be an advisor or something like that, and I would be like, God, no. Like, every moment that I spend <laughs> needing to think about this shit is a moment that I want to be dead. So, I mean, there's a, there's a ton that you wouldn't do again and that you learn, and it's just getting older and getting experience. Yeah. There's nothing really profound or that you I – don't, I don't know that I have any – would you want to be CEO of a public company again? Oh, uh, no. <laughs> no? <laughs> yeah, no. Just hard no. No. I think even, and this is based on, not just on our story, which is an extreme version of it, but conversations with a lot of public company CEOs, even in the best case, you end up spending a lot of your time 
working on stuff that has nothing to do with building something great for your customers. There are people who are good at that sort of thing, and I'm not one of them. Somebody who really impresses me drove home for me how unsuited I was to be. A, my temperament is to be a public company CEO is uh, Brian Chesky. He's the kind of person that just says, these are the things that I need to be great at in order to be a great CEO, and I'm going to figure out how to be great at those and not let anything get in the way of that. And for me, some of the public-facing elements of that, I was unable to get over the absurdity of them, which is a form of, I guess, narcissism, and just like be a serious person about them. I was too, I rejected them too strongly, the need to do certain elements of that job. So I just have the temperament of somebody who's always going to be a little bit outside of their yeah. Well, you uh, seem to uh, sweet spot if I was running a public company. Because I mean, I remember reading Groupon about Groupon at the kind of the rise and the fall, et cetera, and you seem to be kind of constantly rebelling against this idea that you have to. You're a, this is a big grown up company now. You have to act, act a certain way. You seem to kind of given that whole idea the finger a lot of the time. Right, and it turns out you do. <laughs> you do need to act a certain <laughs> way, or like maybe if you're like you never have a single problem with your company, you right. can get away with it. But I wouldn't bet on that. Do you still own stock? Yeah. I'm always fascinated by this idea that you left. I think at the time, your stock was worth a couple hundred million dollars or something. Like, why Why keep doing this over? Why do I do another company? Yeah. Or well, several. Oh, I mean, what else are you going to do? I don't know. I remember kind of the day I got fired, sitting on my couch with all of a sudden zero responsibility. I didn't have kids at the time. And just realizing, Jesus, I could just sit here and order pizza and never leave this Forever couch and ever and, and ever. die. Once you've solved the financial part of life and achieved financial independence, the only thing to do is die. You need to find a way to occupy your brain right. and occupy occupy your time so that you're not just constantly reflecting or on your inevitable death. And so you you do more companies. Well, that's what's so interesting about coming back as a kind of an outsider into San Francisco in 2017. It's such a different place. There's so much more money here and people who have had such great success. And it's created this, it's such an interesting place to be. People are like you and that they don't have to work anymore, but they're still trying to create new things. I totally agree with that. And even like the way that I made the decision on these companies that I decided to work on was so highly path dependent from the context of within that bubble. So the decision to start working on Detour was a, okay, I want to start another company immediately because I remember being at the end of Groupon and walking around the office and being like, Jesus, I wish I could just like have a blank slate and apply all the things that I learned so when along you are, the way. So when you left, were you like, was it kind of like an exhale? In a sense, in, in the sense that every day sucked. <laughs> but um, that sounds like a big exhale. Then, if you get to walk out the door, but you know that's not how people. No, think I mean about if you're things, kind of like, forced out, I mean that's yeah, obviously. not just being forced out. But I didn't just because something sucks doesn't mean that you that you're ready to give up. Like I wasn't ready to give up, even knowing that my life is probably better having having not been there. If I could go back and do it again, and somebody asked me if I could be fired, I would feel kind of obligated to to choose not to. Right. I just knew I wanted to start something right away. And I had this backlog of ideas that I thought were good ideas, and I picked the one that I was the most in interested in. And then Descript is birthed out of the context of Detour. So that's often just the way that it goes. What was your worst day of work? 
I think when I got fired from Blind Faith Cafe, which was oh, a... Oh, please, do tell. <laughs> this was a restaurant that I worked at in college. It was a veg- I was vegetarian, and this was a vegetarian restaurant. You were past tense. I'm no longer vegetarian. You know, I, when I stopped being vegetarian is when my board asked me to meet with um, the corporate development team of Yahoo for dinner. That was the moment that I just felt like, fuck it. I'm done trying to live up to high ideals. <laughs> Why? Because you're about to sell to Yahoo? Or... Yeah. Right. Yeah, because I was considering selling to Yahoo. So you're like, I'll screw it. I'm as soon have as a, I'm I force my steak, yeah, as I'm soon gonna... as I force myself to keep an open mind to that, like any pretense of <laughs> ethics and principle, just. So did you have like a nice rump steak that night? Yeah, exactly. I had a steak, and it was so good. I hadn't had any for twelve <laughs> years. Everybody told me that I'd be sick, and no, I was like right back on that train. Wow. Didn't miss a beat. I mean, you didn't sell to Yahoo, obviously. Didn't sell to Yahoo. <laughs> just, just had the. <laughs> traumatic fallout from it. Right. Anyway, so yeah, Blind Faith Cafe was the restaurant that I worked at in college. Anyway, so I never ate at restaurants until I made money with Groupon. What do you mean you never ate at restaurants? I mean, I ate at restaurants, but I would go to like Chi-Chi's or whatever. Right. You didn't, actually, you didn't go actually to a place like, this is actually going to be some good food I can't get elsewhere. It's yeah. Like, it would be like Olive Garden. Yeah. Yeah. It would be like, yeah. You know, like my idea of what the role of a waiter was, was to provide entertainment for the guests, which now as somebody who goes into a restaurant, I realize how off that is. That made me a not very good waiter. I would just like joke around and talk to the guests and just be the kind of thing that I hate in waiters when I go to restaurants. <laughs> like imagine the most annoying waiter you've experienced and that was me. Okay. Where it's just like, you are not the reason we are here, buddy. Right. Yeah, bring me the food. Bring me my moons over my hammy. <laughs> so yeah, so, and then and then the other problem was I went through a period where I, I'd lived in New Zealand for a summer doing this thing called Willing Workers on Organic Farms and then I came back and, and stopped showering. Like I decided that that wasn't that important and grew my hair really long. And How long did you go without a shower? couple weeks at a time it wasn't like a full i'm no longer showering yeah i I haven't thought about it i can't remember the exact logic behind it but it was just like one of those things that people do in college yeah anyway so they started getting complaints that i smelled and that was the second strike and then uh and then the third strike was that i would bring my computer into the kitchen and just like set it up and, and that's ostensibly the reason that i got fired you brought your computer to the kitchen i yeah i would bring my computer in why I think just to, like, do stuff when I didn't have tables. Okay. Just a laptop, not like I didn't set up a desktop or anything. Right, right. (laughs) You didn't bring the full tower in? Yeah. And you got fired? You got fired, yeah. How old were you then? 21, 22, something like that. And I I cried. You cried? Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. And then six years later, you're running a multi-billion dollar company. Yeah. And the guy that fired That's me, wild. the way that he tried to make himself feel okay about it, he's like, you, you need to go do something else. Like, I'm releasing you, and like you, you're too good to be doing a waiter at this kind of thing. You're doing this shit because you're bored by this work. I st- still do not believe that he, <laughs> that he actually meant that. <laughs> I would love to go back and find him and be like, asshole, you were just blowing smoke up my ass so I would stop crying. Oh, you but cried you were actually right, ha. Huh? You actually broke down in front I of I think him. so. Oh, yeah. wow. So how many years after Blind Faith Cafe did Groupon go public? I, eight years or something. Okay. I think I was 30 when right. Groupon went public. Is there anything else we've missed? 
the script. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to come up with a cohesive theory of the subjects that we were supposed to be covering. I, I know it's kind of we we kind of went all over the place. Yeah, but. so I don't know what you say missed. Like there are things that have happened in my life <laughs> that we haven't talked about. Yeah, we start from birth. I guess the other thing that we kind of touched on it before is this progression of machine learning and what it is doing to things like transcription. It's actually incredible. It is incredible. Yeah, it's kind of transformative for lots of industries. I would imagine. Yeah, transcription on its own is this 10 plus billion dollar industry but it's really yeah it's much bigger than people think human powered transcription legal world legal maybe. and medical is most of what it is because those are the industry those are the industries that have the capital to be able to pay a dollar or 2 dollars a minute and wait 24 hours to get a human powered transcription now what we're seeing happening is automated transcription is becoming faster, cheaper, and more accurate. It's effectively becoming commoditized like storage has over the last decade. As it crosses over that line, this kind of like tipping point, it will make transcription available to all these other use cases, us being one of them, business call recording or meeting, automatic meeting uh, recording, and then natural language processing on top of that, Mm. where it wasn't before. So I think there will be a number of really interesting, really exciting businesses that are built on the on the foundation of the of this kind of threshold that we've crossed recently. I, the next produced thing I do, I'm going to use Descript and see how see how it is. I'm Great. Excited. Yeah. I mean, you could use it for something like this. We don't. So right now we only we only support single track editing. But the main thing that we're focused on at the moment is multi-track. And at that point, any if you're going to do any editing whatsoever on something even like this, then Descript is going to make it a lot easier to, to, to deal with. Before we go, I was going to have one last request, and you can comply or not. Can you tell the horse story? The horse story? The one about Bloomberg? Did you hear me t- talk about I've this? I've heard song? about this. Okay. The story is that at one at one point during the height of our arrogance at at Groupon, Michael Bloomberg was in Chicago and he decided he was going to stop by Groupon. And, and who was he then? Was he running New York or was he just Bloomberg billionaire? I think he was. Man. Yeah, he was running New York. Yeah. yeah. And so he was going to come by and he was going to say something to the sales floor, which was awesome. But uh, we wanted to give him a gift. I thought it would be funny to like I like uh I like giving people gifts that give them this confusing feeling of this mix of being overwhelmed by the generosity of it but also the gift being creating an incredible inconvenience for them. So <laughs> like beautiful combination. Yeah, like and so for Bloomberg we thought let's get him a puppy and then we decided not to do a puppy because we thought it might be we, we we wanted to like tip it on the side of him realizing it was maybe a joke and not like put him in a weird situation that he would have thought that it was like he needed to take this puppy so we right. decided let's get him a horse and so we found a horse and were you actually going to give him the pony well we we rented with an option to buy oh okay i don't know that was i mean i'm not au fait with the pony market but i don't know you could do that <laughs> i think like you know, these people are pretty flexible. It's not like United where they have really hard-coded policies. Right. So uh, we got the pony. We had it in the office. We, we got word that Bloomberg was on the elevator on the way up. 
And then someone from our PR team came running over and she was like, abort, abort. Bloomberg's daughter was just in a horse riding accident and oh, he'll no. potentially take this entirely the wrong way. So as he's coming up the elevator, we're taking the pony and like to the other side of the office and hiding it in like the kitchen elevator to take it out so Bloomberg never actually sees that any of it happened. So what did you do with the pony? I mean, was it just We it, gave it back. Was it just stuck <laughs> Was it just stuck in the elevator for his visit? Yeah. Oh, they have food. I don't think ponies need to eat every... He wasn't there for, like, days, you know? The the, the horse was fine. We didn't abuse the horse. It had an interesting experience. (laughs) Right, right. Most horses don't get to do that. Fascinating. Well, look, thank you for taking the time. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. And I look forward to uh, trying out Descript. Yes, it's Descript.com, and uh, give it a download. Everybody gets 30 minutes of free transcription, so you can check it out. And if you work in... Seriously, if you work in audio at all, voice audio at all. It's like total superpowers for what you do. So I hope folks will will give it a try. And that is all the time we have. Thank you for listening. As ever, please stop into Apple Podcasts before you go off and do whatever it is you're going to do today. Take two seconds, give a rating and review, maybe jot something down, preferably something nice. And I will be back next week. And in the meantime, I will be in the Sunday Times writing about various things on the website at thetimes.co.uk, on Twitter at Danny Fortson, and on email at danny.fortson at sunday-times.co.uk. Thank you, thank you again for listening. Talk to you next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.